0: We weren't necessarily looking in Bethlehem, but we really did want to stay in the North Country, which we have just grown to love a lot. And when this place popped up, it just, the stars aligned and we couldn't be happier. Welcome to the North Country Fruit and
1: Vegetable Podcast. My name is Heather Bryant, and I am working on this project together with my UNH Extension colleagues, Olivia Saunders and Nick Rowley. The podcast is a COVID-friendly answer to the North Country Fruit and Vegetable Seminar and Trade Show, started by our retired colleague, Steve Taraj, approximately two decades ago. We plan to release five episodes of our podcast in the fall, and then in October, we will run a series of interactive lunchtime discussion sessions, one for each episode. During these sessions, we will be able to dive deeper into each topic. You can ask questions of the people we interviewed, other experts, or each other. The topics will center around issues and ideas of interest to farmers and people who choose to live a rural life. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for talking with us today, Bridget. Will you start by telling us about Ben Fork Farm as it is today?
0: So today we're in Bethlehem, New Hampshire, on about a 30-acre piece of land that we bought two years ago. But originally we started on... Least Hayfield in Lancaster on under half an acre. So a lot of things have changed since the first iteration of Bent Fork Farm. But right now we're farming on just under two acres of cultivated land and in two high tunnels. And we're growing for a 50-member CSA. Littleton Co-op and the Littleton and Lancaster Farmer's Markets.
1: How did you determine that a CSA was the right marketing venue for you, as opposed to, I know you also do farmer's markets or, you know, potentially a farm stand. Like, how did you make that ch- decision?
0: Well, the CSA, we started when we were in Lancaster. And at that point, the girls were really little and we knew we didn't want to be driving an hour and a half to a farmer's market. So that really narrowed down our farmer's market's potential even so and then our farm at the time was on a quiet road that didn't seem like it really made sense for a farm stand so the csa was seemed to be the obvious choice and i've really loved having the csa it's so awesome getting to know the people and families that are eating your food every week and you hearing their likes and dislikes and you can cater the CSA more to what your members actually want. And I've just really enjoyed the CSA experience. And I think most of our members have too.
1: What kind of things do you grow and what would you say your your farm's vision is?
0: So we're pretty much growing the full spectrum of mixed vegetables. We try and include a ton of variety to keep the CSA members excited throughout the season. Also, I just love everything in a seed catalog. I kind of can't help myself. So there's not a whole lot that we don't grow. There's a couple crops that don't make sense on our scale, like sweet corn or storage potatoes. But we're really growing a very wide range of vegetables. I'd say our specialty is probably mixed greens throughout the season. We try and have salad greens and baby leaf lettuce (laughs) all the way from end of April through November and everything else as the season progresses. I know you said you go through the
1: catalogs and you find things that you love. Um, but how how do you determine what's going to grow on your farm? Like specifically, you said you don't grow sweet corn. So how did you come about deciding what's in and what's out?
0: So I think uh, on a farm of our scale, we're, you know bed space is pretty limited. So I start with the things that I knew I could get a certain amount of bunches out of or a certain amount of cuts out of to serve the CSA. So I want a bed to serve at least like two weeks of the CSA over the season and including the farmer's markets too. So I guess I figure out what is most profitable for each bed foot and kind of work backwards from there. We know we need six plantings of carrots over the course of the season, or I need to, I know I need to seed salad mix and lettuce mix every two to three weeks throughout the season. So I work backwards from what I know that I want, and then I figure out what I have space for from there.
1: And then if you have a crop that maybe you're not sure if it's going to fit or not, like what kind of things go into the decision to get rid of that crop?
0: Um, Well, I do probably too much... Experimental trialing. This year we're doing artichokes and I gave them two whole beds and you know <laughs> the looks of them right now they don't really look like they're going to pay for themselves but there's a certain amount of like what's the point if you can't like plant what you want to and see what happens. So I think a lot of it is just to do with like keeping it interesting and exciting for us.
1: Can you tell us what initially drew you to farming um, as a career?
0: So I started out farming um as a woofer when I was waiting for placement in the Peace Corps. So I had some kind of free time on my hands and it seemed like a you know, a good way to have a low commitment employment and <laughs> live for free. So that was my first introduction into farming. And I really just love the lifestyle. I love that you get to work physically, you get to see things progress throughout the season. You know, you get to see hard work come to fruition and the literal fruits of your labor and I've always loved that and when our second daughter was born the turning our like home garden into a small like market garden seemed like the ideal way to stay home with the kids and like have it make sense for our family at the time and since then it's just grown because we love it. For those of you
1: who are wondering what WOOFing means, WOOF is an acronym, W-W-O-O-F, and it stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms, and it's um, their mission is to be a worldwide movement to link visitors with organic farmers, promote a culture and education exchange, and build a a global community conscious of ecological farming and sustainability practices. So, woofers will go to farms for, could be one day, could be several months, um, and typically they'll get room and board in return for um, a half a day's work for every day that they're there, and then the other half of the day they can become part of the farm community and get to see what organic farming looks like in, um, in the particular region that they're visiting. You kind of explained uh, when the when the farm started, um, but can you give us some, some hints of the steps of how you grew into what you, you are today? So you obviously started in Lancaster and then at some point decided to move to Bethlehem. So can you tell yeah. that story?
0: Yeah, we were lucky enough in Lancaster to have a lot of different neighbors that just really helped get things started we had one neighbor who let us use his hay field and you know rip up that sod and turn it into a garden we had another neighbor with a barn that happened to have a walk-in cooler and a washing area and some other neighbors that pitched in and helped and not to mention like both of our families so we were really lucky in that sense to have a lot of backup getting things into production
1: what prompted the decision to move the whole farm to Bethlehem
0: well, at some point we were started. I think in our second season we started seriously looking for somewhere we could put down roots. It, you know that we we're ready to take those next steps and like put up a greenhouse, make a better wash pack area, a lot of infrastructure improvements that like we couldn't do on leased land. So the search for land took almost three years so that was and we weren't necessarily looking in Bethlehem but we really did want to stay in the north country which we have just grown to love a lot and when this place popped up it just the stars aligned and we couldn't be happier. So if you had it to do all
1: over again is there anything that you would change?
0: You know I was thinking about this question and there's I can't think of any one thing that I would have done differently but it's just incredible thinking about all the Stuff we've learned along the way that you can't like we can't believe we were doing things the way we were doing five years ago. So it just it's cool to see how much you learn just along the way by doing things wrong, by meeting other people who are doing things right and just learning from from our peers around here, especially in this growing climate, which
1: is quite tricky. Where were you when you first started farming?
0: Um, the first place that I woofed at was actually in Northern California. And then in Arizona was my first like full season farming, which is, you know, worlds apart from Northern New Hampshire. And then after that first farm, I worked at farms in Texas and upstate New York, east, uh, Western Mass. We Ben and I farmed with his dad in Montana for a summer. So it's been a real learning experience to see how operations of every different size and scale are run in different places all over the country. And I I just love it. I think it's like the coolest thing. It's to see how people make a living off the land in such starkly different circumstances.
1: What are your goals for the next five years? Where do you, where do you want the farm to be in five years?
0: So our farm like I said before is we're under two acres in production and really I don't want it to be too much bigger than that and we're limited in a sense that we're on a pretty rocky hillside and there's not unlimited open ground that we can move into so in the next five years oh I want to hone in on our efficiencies and our rotations and our succession planting so we have the dates just right and there's less guesswork involved which I feel like We have learned a lot in that department, but there's still like a lot of refining to do that I think would make things less stressful, which is another goal, being less stressed at this time of year.
1: That sounds like a reasonable goal, although fortunately, I feel like just when you think you've got it figured out, a a weird weather year comes along and it kind of messes up the math. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Maybe more of the goal is to just handle the stress a little better because inevitably like things are going to happen that you can't plan for
1: what is your long-term goal for the farm like further out from five years what do you what do you ultimately want it to be
0: i think we're i'm still figuring that out i have a lot of different ideas of places we could take it or what we want to add or subtract from the whole equation so i think that's a vision that's still evolving i'm not really sure yet but we've got big dreams for this place
1: Um, What do you want to tell an inspiring farmer that you wish you had known when you started?
0: I think what I wish I had known when I started is to just like go for it. Like you don't need to. You could farm for 20 years at different places and you still wouldn't be prepared to start your own operation. I think there's just a lot to be said for diving in and learning as you go. And at any scale, too.
1: I think, that, I think that makes a certain amount of sense. You mentioned Peace Corps before, and I think Peace Corps is one of those things. If you, if you don't just do it, you're going to scare yourself and then you won't do it. For the people in the audience who don't farm um, but want to support farms or want to be good neighbors to farms, what would you suggest?
0: I would say shop the mar- farmer's market. We always love a honk and a thumbs up when you're driving past <laughs> On a hot, sweaty harvest day, and just being conscientious of how how places are run, um, I think it's tempting for a lot of people to like want to stop by and try and buy things. And we always like a- appreciate that people are interested, but we're not always able to stop and accommodate special order picking. And can you give us?
1: Just a couple examples of your favorite tricks. So, you know, maybe a tool that you like, you know, feel like it's paid for itself 10 times over or a little labor saving efficiency trick that you've learned over time that you can't do without now.
0: One labor saving trick that we use a lot of now is with silage tarps, which I love and hate silage tarps, they're heavy and irritating to move around, but for succession plantings, I think they're a really awesome tool. So our upper field, for example, we seeded the first bed of carrots in late April and had the rest of it tarped, and since then we've peeled back the tarp every two weeks or three weeks, seeded two more beds of carrots, and every time you open up a seed bed, it's perfectly weed-free. Soil's warmed up. It's not too soggy, ready to seed and put a sprinkler on. And so I think the silage tarps are a really useful tool used in the right way. <laughs> They're not as magical as they've been advertised sometimes with lay it down and two months later you can plant right into it. And, but they do have a really awesome place on our farm. And as far as tools, um, we have a three-row jang seeder, and that's something that I wish I'd invested in a lot sooner. It's so precise, the seed you waste is so minimal compared to like an earthway or hand seeding, and not having to thin carrots is a magical thing in itself
1: well thanks very much bridget for talking with us today this has been really really great and um we're looking forward to hopefully everybody who who listened today will join us for the discussion session during the north country fruit and vegetable conference so thanks again bridget thanks heather Thanks again for joining the conversation about agriculture in the North Country, and be sure to check out our webpage, extension.unh.edu forward slash north, where you can find this podcast, information about the North Country Fruit and Vegetable Conference, and instructions for participating in episode discussions. The North Country Fruit and Vegetable Podcast is a production of University of New Hampshire Cooperative Extension, an equal opportunity educator and employer views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the university, its trustees, or its volunteers. Inclusion or exclusion of commercial products in this podcast does not imply endorsement. The University of New Hampshire, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and New Hampshire counties cooperate to provide extension programming in the Granite State. Learn more at extension.unh.edu.